transition from a false hope to a true hope can be challenging, but there's hope for hope. Today we're going to revisit 2 Kings chapter 4 and the story of the Shunammite woman so we can better understand how to let go of what's false and grab a hold of what's true. Let's get started. Back in 2 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 18, we see that one day when the woman's son was older, he went out to help his father in the field during the harvest and started to complain of a headache or some pain in his head. His father sent him inside to his mother, possibly not thinking much of it, but shortly after, Scripture tells us that he sat on her lap until noon and then died. That's 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 20. Now remember, this is a miracle child, the result of a miraculous conception. He's in the same class as Isaac, who came before him from Abraham and Sarah, and John the Baptist, who came after him, born of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Both parents were old in age, but a word spoken over them brought about a child that no one expected, not even them. But now, in what might be his adolescence, he dies of something like a brain aneurysm or an undiagnosed tumor. This is not the way we'd expect the story to go. Certainly not the way the Shunammite woman, who's had the deepest desire and hope of her life fulfilled, certainly she didn't think this is the way things were going to end up. So the question is this, what do you do when you lose what you hope for after you've received it? Now, I'm not going to read the whole story verse for verse, so I'm going to paraphrase some of it. Through the example of the woman of faith, we'll find the answer that we're looking for. The story continues that she laid her son's dead body on Elijah's bed in the room her and her husband had built for him, and she shut the door. Then she went to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. Now, at this point, I don't believe her husband even knows that his son is dead because he responds by saying, why? Why will you go to him today? It's not a new moon, nor is it a Sabbath. His response reveals his thinking. He's thinking to himself, for what? In his mind, according to the calendar, there's no special occasion, festival or offering or anything you got to give. There's no religious thing going on that you would need to go see the religious man of God, if you will. In her mind, though, there's something different going on. There's, there's not only the knowledge of the reality of the death of their child, there's also, as we'll see, the belief and hope that the same God who spoke a word that brought about the child's conception and birth is the same God that can speak a word that will restore life to his body. This woman of faith, this mother of faith, whose husband seemingly doesn't have a clue, responds by saying, it will be well. Sometimes when you're walking in faith and placing your hope in the Lord, you have to limit the amount of information you share with people of lesser faith. It's not a matter of disrespect or thinking that you're better than anyone else, but it's about not letting yourself get distracted and staying focused and committed to the plan that the Lord has for you. They'll get it later, but when you're in the moment, often you need to keep certain things to yourself and just keep focused so you can keep moving forward. So stepping ahead, 
Elijah and his servant Gehazi, they were out, they were at Mount Carmel. And when the woman tracked them down, Elijah saw her coming from a distance and sent his servant to ask, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? Her answer is amazing and full of faith. Her answer was, it is well. Now let's keep it real with this for a minute. For most of us, if our child had just died and someone asked specifically, is it well with the child? We'd probably respond something like this. No, I'm devastated and I'm heartbroken because my child suddenly died in my, in my lap. I'd argue that the only way someone might respond the way this woman does is if they know beyond a doubt that something else is at work. In fact, not just something, but someone, someone greater than death, someone she knew that she could rely on, someone that she could place her expectation of good in, her hope in, and not be disappointed. Second Kings chapter 4 and verse 27 says, When she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone. For her soul is troubled within her, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. I find it so interesting because it reveals that walking in faith doesn't mean that we don't feel negative emotions or fear, anguish, depression. All, all of these things and emotions, they can still happen while you're walking the walk of faith. The mother goes on to say, in essence, hey, man, man of God, I told you not to play games with me. I was good. I finally settled in my mind that I was never going to have a child. And then you come along prophesying. <laughs> to sum up, Elijah returns home with the woman. And through prayer, coming into physical contact with the boy's body, the boy miraculously came back to life. Through it all, the Shunammite woman for sure felt grief, sadness, despair. Maybe she was anxious, maybe even angry possibly dealing with thoughts like, like, how could you do this to me, God? Why would you give me a child only to take him away from me? This is normal. It's human. It's definitely understandable for someone to feel the way this woman may have felt having experienced a loss like this. But when you're walking a walk of faith that's founded on a God-breathed hope, you can be empowered by grace to speak in agreement with what God has declared and not what the circumstances or feelings dictate. At this point, I want to transition to another verse that for many years, I'll admit, I read, I heard, but I never fully understood. And as I thought about it over the years, I always felt that, that I was missing something. It's Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And it speaks of the faith and hope that Abraham had as he believed in a promise of God that he would become a father of many nations. Here's what it says. Verse 16 says, For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17 says, As it is written, A father of many nations I have made you, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Verse 18, in hope against hope, he believed. 
so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Again, verse 18 is the focus here, and it says, In hope against hope he believed. Most translations use the word against in this verse. And for me, the depiction at first was one that one hope contrary to or competing with another hope. I believe the message being conveyed here has everything to do with the struggle we often face when it comes time to evaluate what we're hoping in and maybe find ourselves in that precarious place of uncertainty when we simply don't know what it is that God is saying. You see, the word against could be translated from the Greek, lean on or besides. Now think about that as we use the word against in English. You could say, you know, the, the chair is leaning against the wall. Well, the chair isn't trying to beat up the wall. It's not opposed to the wall. The weight of the chair is leaning on the wall. So that's a better understanding of what this verse is saying. One hope is leaning on another hope. So Romans 4 and 18 could be translated like this, in hope leaning on hope, or based on what we've learned in this lesson and the last lesson, in the first incomplete culture-driven hope, leaning on and beside the perfect God-breathed hope. I want to make sure you're getting this. You see, God's not opposed to us because we're hoping in the wrong thing. God knows. He meets us where we are. He empathizes with us and says, take your lesser hopes Lean your incomplete hopes on my complete and perfect hope. I'll put it to you like this. I think it's really common for us to do two things. One is to hope in the wrong thing and believe it's what God wants for us. And then we start to pray for God to fulfill it just because we want it really badly. <laughs> Been there, done that many times before. And the second thing is this, is to not be sure of what God wants at all. And then we find ourselves in a place of feeling lost and isolated and frustrated and maybe like God's not speaking and he doesn't care about us and, and he's not leading us. He's got plans for everybody else, but we can't find and discover the plan that he has for us. So this is where hope against hope or hope leaning on hope comes into play. Start from wherever you are and whatever you think God wants, even if you're clueless, Whatever desire is storing in your heart, take whatever that is and lean it on the word of God. And if you don't have that, then just lean yourself, your will, your desires on the word of God. Allow his word to become your desire and become the object or focal point of your hope. For example, you might be hoping for a physical healing or deliverance of some kind, but you might not be sure of how God's going to do it or when. Maybe you've been waiting for so long that like the Shunammite woman, you're starting to think that maybe it's not God's will for you to be healed, that it's delayed, delayed until eventually denied. But we know the word of God tells us something different. It tells us that by his stripes, the wounds that Jesus bore when he was scourged and beating by the nails in his hands and the thorns on his head, because he went through all of that, we can walk in divine healing and wholeness. So here, we're looking at an unstable hope that goes up and down with doubt and unbelief because of the circumstances or how long it's taking. And we can take that and lean it against the perfect hope that's complete and stable because it's God breathed directly from his word. As we're transitioning from one year into a new year, 2019 into 2020, one decade 
to a new one. I want to encourage you to transition from insecure, unstable hopes that are put on you from the pressures of the world and other people and society. I want you to transition to the complete, the structured, the God-breathed hopes that are backed by the word of God and all of the plans that he has for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Did you hear that? That verse is quoted so often. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Such a popular verse, but I believe it's also very misunderstood because he says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope. You've got to understand part of God's plan is for you to hope in the right things, to discover what those things are. So if there were some things you hoped for in 2019 that didn't happen, what I'm not saying is to give up on those things, but I am saying evaluate them. First and foremost, did they come from God in the first place? And if they did, keep hoping in those things. Maybe it's just a matter of God's timing. Maybe it's a matter of obedience, something you need to do to trigger the delivery of that thing you're hoping for. But it could also be that it's not something God said. It's not something that God is obligated to deliver because it's not God's best for you. If you let go of the good, God will give you the best. You can transition your hope from that which is unstable and insecure and doubtful to that which is firm, that which is an assurance, that which you have evidence for, that which is spoken directly from the mouth of God. It should be our prayer, as scripture says, that God would give us the desires of our hearts. Now, I've come to learn that that does not mean God is going to give me everything I want, but that means that God would place the desires in my heart so that I would want the same things that he wants for me. That's an entirely different concept, and that is discipleship, that is maturity, that is growth. That's how you can walk through the year 2020 with great expectation, with great hope, because you've aligned your desires with that of the will of God. When hope that is founded in the culture fails, when hope that is rooted in self-confidence disappoints us, when hope that is devised from entitlement frustrates, there's still a greater hope, the hope that all other hopes can lean on against and be near. Lean your lesser hopes on the greatest hope. Ultimately, our faith is determined by hoping, trusting, and believing in the word of the Lord. This is exactly what we witness with the Shunammite woman. When her circumstance unexpectedly changed, we see that she kept her hope focused on what God said. God said she was going to have a son when she was asked, why are you going to see the man of God? Is it okay with your child? The woman responded two times, it is well. How was she able to do that? She kept all of those lesser hopes. Maybe while the child was in her lap, slowly dying, she was hoping he would get better, but he didn't. He actually died. So what does she do? She takes all that hope, all that frustration, and she leans it on what she knew God said. And that's the hope that's de that delivered her son back to life. So just like her, when and if our circumstances change, we've got to do the same thing and lean all of our hopes, everything we understand and don't understand on what we know God said. And if you don't know what God is saying, get in the word of God, open the Bible, read, look at the precedent that's already been set for what God has said and what God has done and lean all that you have on the word of God. 
I want to leave you with these thoughts. In order to have a true biblical hope, here's some things you got to do. Number one, you have to have some form of knowledge and ability that God can do it. We know that he's an omnipotent God. So if you're hoping for something, you've got to be hoping in a God who can make that thing become a reality. So the first question, can he do it? And if you know the word of God, if you've seen God move in your life, you know the answer is yes, that God can. But then you also have to have, number two, a reasonable expectation of delivery, which we can put in this question, will he do it? So we know we can do it, but will he do it is another thing. Is this what he wants for us? Is, do I have a reasonable expectation that this is something that God will do in my life? Hey, you might be believing to be married. You might be believing for a particular job. And But see, watch this. If you're not ready for that, if you aren't being prepared for that, then it's not reasonable to expect that God's going to deliver it. Truth be told, you might be able to fake it. You might be able to force it. But it's just a matter of time before the evidence will speak for itself. If you want to walk it out God's way, I found in my own life, God will take you through a season of preparation. God will take you through uh, uh, places and connect you with the right people to get you ready for the delivery of that which you are hoping for. So the second, first thing is, can he do it? Second, will he do it? And the third thing is this, recognize when the specific things are determined. And this comes by, by asking this question, did he speak it? Are you hoping in what somebody else said, what somebody else has, what society or culture or ethnicity, what, what, whatever it is? Are you hoping for something just because of the expectations of others? Or are you hoping for it because you have an assurance from the word of God, from the mouth of God? Did he speak it? So let me recap. In order to have a biblical hope, you got to answer these three questions. Can he do it? Will he do it? And did he speak it? I pray that this encourages you. I pray that this uplifts your heart and helps you transition. Maybe you've got to heal from some disappointments and some letdowns that happened in 2019, even 2018 or, or, or further back that's still lingering in your life, in your emotions. It's time to be set free from all of those hurts, those pains, those disappointments. And it's time for you to receive a fresh word from the mouth of God. God is still speaking. God is a living God. And I pray for you, all of you that are listening to the Factor Points podcast, be encouraged and listen to the word of the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and for your for a future. Plans to prosper you and not for calamity, for welfare, to bless you to give you a future and a hope. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for listening to the Factor Points podcast. 2019 was a huge year for me and my family a year of transition, a year of new beginnings, and I'm very excited about what the future holds in the year 2020. It's an exciting time to be alive and to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for making Factor Points a part of your discipleship growth and maturity. 
and we want to continue to provide you with meaningful, relevant, biblical teachings and application to help you grow and walk in the very best that God has for you. So Happy New Year, and remember always that God is here, God knows, and God is able. Let's stay on point in 2020.